What's up, y'all? This is wide receiver Deontay Simpson. This is cornerback Cam Johnson. Cornerback Deshaun Getty Jr. Senior forward Zachary Simmons, and you're listening to Bruins Breakdown, your home for North Texas sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Bruins Breakdown, the 24-7 sports podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Bruni, and with me, once again, is Colin Mitchell. Colin, how are you doing today? Doing good. Doing good. You know, uh, just prepping... Prepping for this uh, storm that we're about to get. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'm ready to just be confined to my room and my house for five days straight. Bring Went to Kroger. That, bring out that Michigander blood. Mm, yes. Yeah, you know about this. You, you know all know about, about this. this. Um, I went to Kroger uh, a couple days ago, and I knew it was going to be crowded, but I literally couldn't find a parking spot. And then when I found one, there were no carts, so I did, couldn't, and there were no uh, little um, hand... What what are they called? Baskets. So I had nothing. So I had to grab, use my hands the whole time. And so I, I didn't want like a lot. So I was like, well, I guess I just, I'm grabbing like five things. So I grabbed like whatever I could. Thankfully, I already had drinks at home. So I was like, well, I hope I can survive for five days. Because if not, then. Should have bought a basket who knows? and just threw your stuff in it. <laughs> See, no, because the lines, so then you get to the lines, right? And the lines are obviously like five people per row. Yeah. Wait 30 minutes just to get it done. And I just had it all, everything in my hands. I couldn't even have a basket. Um, yeah, people are, are uh, preparing for this. And uh, I never thought I'd see the day where I saw snowfall. But here we are. I forget you haven't seen snowfall. Yeah. Last I, time it fell in Texas was when? I saw it. Okay, no, no, no. I saw it once. And okay, it stick to the ground though. Like a year ago. Yeah, no, no, it did. It snowed a couple years ago. Um, maybe only like a year and a half ago. And I was, but I was asleep and it was in the morning and I and woke it, up and, woke and up I saw it gone. and I was like, oh, that's cool. My mom was called me all excited. Oh my gosh, it's snowing. And then I, was, I went back to sleep and when I woke up, it was gone. So <laughs> that's my whole experience with snow in my life. Well, so. here's here's your second experience that'll probably be way better than the first, unless you don't like to go outside in the snow. You know, I, I might I might give it a little give it a whirl. Give it a whirl. You I might give it a whirl. fight with yourself. Just, just, <laughs> just, just throw kinda, it in the air. Yeah, it's just like yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, well, well, we'll see. Um, but I'll tell you one thing that is not cold, Colin. The North Texas mean green. Mm. You know that was what a transition. <sighs> That was, that was a cringy transition. All right. Anyways, <laughs> North Texas, um, as you all know, if y'all listening to this, most likely, uh, North Texas swept Southern Miss this weekend in on the road, 65 to 49, the first game and second game, 68 to 56. We'll recap both of those games, but just to give you a general overview of what we'll be talking about today, um, obviously we'll go over both the games. We'll talk about the, all the players on North Texas, what they did to beat Southern Miss, what they did well, and what they need to do going into this very difficult stretch of games moving forward because as we all know western kentucky marshall and uab are the next three series so this is going to be a very descriptive podcast that's how i would describe it this is like the uh this is like the calm before the storm podcast it's like the preview literally and figuratively preview it's like the preview that you have in the middle of the season you know what i mean going into the second half but i feel like this next series is the season yes I'm cool yeah. with that. I'm cool with that. Like like UAB's learned. Anyways, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get, get into that. And we'll get into all that um, later on. But first, Colin, to start off with the two games uh, against Miss, Southern Miss, 
the going to the first one, it was a defensive, you know, another great defensive outing by North Texas to win 65-49. They held Southern Miss to 41% shooting, 13% from three, um, only allowed eight free throws. They dominated on the glass. They basically dominated every which way. They only shot 7-25 from three. That was probably the worst um, stat of any of them. And they turned the ball over 17 times, which is another not good stat. But outside of that, they played very well. They got the win on the road on Friday. Um, was there anything that stood out to you about that game specifically? I mean, Javion made some shots. In isolation. In isolation, yeah. I actually have a whole thing that I want to talk about that and ask you some questions about it, but we'll get to that later. Okay. Uh, second thing, they need to make threes. Okay. I'm getting tired. I don't I don't know exactly what they shot. I don't have the stats in front of me. They shot but... 725 the first game. Yeah, that's unacceptable. And I saw a, 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 from the second game, they were like 5 of 12 or 4 of 12 at one point. Mm-hmm. And it's like most of these are open. And to start the game, I think they shot 0 of 3 to, for their first three threes. And they were wide open because Southern Miss didn't know how to guard at all in those, those first like five minutes. And it was like, you got to knock these down. Yeah. It was, <clears throat> I tweeted out, I said their first two possessions were wide open threes, clank, yeah. clank. Yep. And then they found a rhythm and they started hitting a couple, which was good. But that is definitely alarming, and I want to get into that a little deeper in a bit. But going to the second game, which I think was a lot more interesting, not only because Southern Miss actually put up a little bit of a fight, um, but North Texas was, had four players in double figures, and all of them were the four seniors in the starting lineups. James Reese, Javion Hamlet, Thomas Bell, and Zach Simmons combined for 60 of the 68 points. And I feel like that accurately describes what happened because there was no bench production. Really, in either of the games, their bench wasn't very... I mean, defensively, they were fine. And, you know, on all the intangibles, they were fine. But they didn't score the ball the way they usually do with right. Abu, Ruben, and uh, JJ. Um, and even Terrence. So, to have those four... The starting lineup score 64 of your 68 points was kind of alarming to me. But it was... It, they did what they had to do to get the win. And then Southern Miss fought back, cut it to nine in the second half, even though North Texas was up by, I want to say, as much as 19. <laughs> And so the Miss came back, cut it to nine with about, what, about five minutes left somewhere around Yeah, there, they wanted a nine-hour run late. Yeah. And so then Javion Hamlet and James Reese basically closed out the game, just kind of trading buckets. And Javion just, again, isolate, isolation scoring, scored 21 points, seven to 10 shooting, six of eight from the free throw line. Um, hit a three. Did hit a three. It was one of three from three. So what, what, what do you take from that game uh, tonight? Uh, just seeing the continued, I mean, first of all, JV, seeing Javion not only not just get ball screens was was good. Um, to see that in two games consecutively, I think is is super important that it wasn't just a one off thing. Secondly, that they were able to not falter whenever they did uh, when Southern Miss did get within nine. Um, that that could have been a concerning thing, especially with the bench not doing anything and the starters have kind of shown as a lineup as a whole that they haven't been able to score when they're all on the four together, right? And that that was a that was a big thing. Um, so to so to see them you know come together and then close the game without having you know guys like Ruben going off, um, JJ you know doing what he does and, and having the starters kind of carry that toward the end was good. Okay, that's that. I think that's a good way of looking at it because early in the season, remember, I was saying how the starting lineup just wasn't able to score. They weren't able to get off a good starts in the first game. They destroyed Southern Miss in the start of the first half and the start of the second half. Those starters did a really good job. And in the second game for them to score 64 points, that I just thought of it when you were explaining it that maybe that's a good thing yeah. that they are actually showing this because instead of having to rely on Ruben and JJ to come in and pro- provide a spark, those guys are actually 
finding a little bit of comfort and scoring the ball. And as a team, they shot 54% for God's sakes. Like that is extremely impressive. And right, they, weren't, they weren't bad shots by, by the bench who didn't really score. Like the, the bench wasn't forcing shots or missing a bunch of shots. It just, they weren't shooting because they didn't need to. Yeah. Um, and we already know the defense is going to be very good from the starting lineup. So that's never mm-hmm. been a concern. Right. But to get, to see this, to see this starting lineup start to score some points going into this tough stretch ahead, I, that was that is promising. Now that now that you bring it up, now let's talk about Javion specifically because you already kind of alluded to it. The fact that they have started isolating him a little bit more. I asked Coach Mack about that after the first game if that if he thought that would continue to be a part of their offense, and he said um, he basically said, "How do I paraphrase this?" It was basically like, kind of like, if we have to do it, we'll do it, in a sense. He feels like, this is just me interpreting interpreting it, right? So after that, after he said that, I kind of took it as, they haven't needed, like, yes, they've, they could have gone to it earlier in the season, you know, against Loyola or West Virginia or whatnot, but there's, those are games that don't, you know, mean as much, right? As much as conference games. And I don't think Javion had that confidence in himself to even go score in a one-on-one situation early in the season. So now that he has the confidence, now late in games, they don't need to give him a ball screen. Now they can just kind of clear out in a sense. And But during the game, obviously, you want to try to get Reese involved because he's been so good. You want to get uh, Thomas involved because he's been so good. Zach, who's been so good. And then the bench players who have been very good. There's no need to isolate him for stretches except for at the end. That's yeah. what I kind of got out of it. I, I I agree. I mean, that's what they did. But I, I, I would disagree on the fact that that's what they should continue doing. Like, just, just to limit it to the end. Because uh, I feel like it's important to keep J- Javon's rhythm going in case the other guys around him aren't hitting shots. Like, if Thomas isn't hitting threes like he did in this series, or if Zach isn't, you know, shooting 65% from the field, or if Reese isn't doing what he did, I feel like it's important still to keep your most talented player in a rhythm instead of kind of waiting to use him when that, that seems like it's come too late at times like yeah. La Tech for example yeah. you know what I mean like like yeah it's it's fine to bring it out against the Southern Miss everyone's shooting well whatever but what if it's not everyone shooting well and then you're like okay we need to ISO Javon and then he's not making shots because he's not in rhythm that makes sense the one thing that I will always say is that Javion for as many times as I've talked to him and heard him talk and heard Coach Mack talk about him it's amazing to me how Javion almost scores reluctantly in a lot of in a lot of instances like it's always starting the game off never really looking to score and so that's where he last year he was so good in the second half of a lot of games because it got to the point where he was like okay well mo can't do it like dang's not gonna score like you know reese was is was really just a three-point shooter last year he had to go force it this year it's been a lot more moments and a lot more flashes of James Reese being able to score, Thomas, Zach, and et cetera, et cetera, all being able to score. And with that in mind, I think Javion really said, all right, I know I can do this and I'll keep it in my back pocket. Now that he has the confidence, he knows he can do it. Yeah, okay. But to start games, I don't think he's ever going to be like, all right, let me go out and get 10 in the first half and then I'm fine from there on. Like, Sure, then, sure, but so. don't take it out only at the end of the game is what I, is what I mean. Like, uh, I agree. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, this is how I compared. I mean, I compared him to the 4 Pistons uh, before the, in the preseason. You know, he's like Chauncey Billups. He, he's going to give everyone theirs because that's just the way they play. This team obviously 
plays team basketball. They all played only to win. There's no individual accolades, and that's perfectly fine. But if you have a player that's able to take over a game and close a game for you and score on his own, you need to utilize that when it's needed. And I feel like this season so far it hasn't been. If that's why they haven't used it is because they don't want to run the ISO, then I feel like that's a oversight. Do you think he's able to do that against elite defenders? I'm not sure yet. I we I, haven't seen a lot of ISO. I okay. So remember, against Louisiana Tech, I was saying don't bring him the screen, just isolate. Yeah. But then I was thinking to myself, bro, look who he has on him. He's got good defenders on him. Like no matter who Louisiana Tech threw at him, it was whether it was Mori Archibald or Ledoux or whoever. Sure, Th- that those are not guys you can just score on. No, for sure. But you also said in the same sentence that he was doing this last year. Yes. But so, is he is he there yet? I don't know if he's there yet. We, we and, don't and, know. And we haven't we seen the, any isolation to really see or, or high enough sample size. And if he's not there yet, then that's also fine. But I, I need to see I need to see it at least tried, I guess, is, is the point. Like like we saw I think I saw like his first step back midi go back yesterday, go down yesterday. And I was like, Okay, well that's the JVM from last year. The mm-hmm. three hit, that's great. The floaters today, like just anything like that. And another thing, too, not only off of isolation, uh, off the catch, I think, is super important, too, to see. Because he was actually attacking off of it instead of them just kind of swinging the ball and then giving the ball back to Javion. He's actually attacking off of that, which is great as well. All right. He actually, and he hit a three, which I think you mentioned. Yeah. Which is very promising. Now, let's go to something or nothing, unless you have something else on... The, uh, the two games, I guess, that doesn't... Well, I, the question I was going to ask you about Javion is, do you think it is... Well, I guess you kind of asked me it, but do you think it's sustainable against... And not to this level, obviously. We, we haven't seen enough to know that. But do you think it's sustainable against better teams? Like UAB. Um, I think for this team to be good, they don't need him to score 20 points. I agree. Or even 15 Mm-hmm. like 16 i will say there has been a correlation in whenever he scores more he hasn't been assisting as much right so he had those when he let me let me let me double check this but tonight right he scores 21 points he only had two assists and that's not to say he's not setting people up because like like we'll talk about they're missing open threes a lot but it is a little peculiar that his assist numbers are kind of dipping. They're not what they were last year. Even though he does have the ball in his hands a lot, his passes aren't exactly leading to layups or good enough looks to where they're being made. That's all I'll say about that. But So maybe that's where I think he can take a little step forward here is that if he gets isolation, that's where he can draw help and then he can dump it it to Zach or he can dump it to a cutting... JJ or Reese or someone like that. That's where I think he can play better out of the, out of an isolation than pick and roll because in pick and rolls, everything's in front of the defense. But when he's isolated and he's just going and gets two feet in the paint, then he has successfully forced the defense to help to put their eyes on him to do this and do that. I I'm not sure if that's where uh, this team needs him to be as the score so when he had 30 assists he had or i'm sorry when he had 30 points against rice he had four assists yeah it's like it's kind of been a pick or choose type situation right now because he'll have those nights where he has eight assists but it's not when he's scoring 15 points right and and no i i mean yeah and when i see when i mean like have him in isolation i don't just mean you know javon you have to score everything because like you said it creates 
opportunities for him to pass the ball or dump it off because guys are doubling him at that point because it's like, okay, well, crap, he's in the paint. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, especially when you don't have, like, we haven't seen the emergence of Drez yet in attacking the paint, or, or I mean, and nobody else really does it effectively. So he has to kind of do that in order to create. But like you said, it hasn't it hasn't come this year. All right. Something or nothing, Colin. Okay. The alarming shooting over the last four games for North Texas basketball. Let me read them out to you, and we will go to something or nothing. Okay. Against Again, these are two Louisiana Tech games and two Southern Miss games as the sample size. So Louisiana Tech, first game, 8 of 25, 32%. Second game, 6 of 22, 27%. Southern Miss first game, 7 of 25, 28%. Southern Miss second game, 6 of 20, 30%. So we're looking at 32, 27, 28, and 30% in the last four games. Calling something or nothing. Definitely something. Absolutely something. Because that is the difference between them comfortably winning a game or them having to fend off a Southern Miss comeback like they did tonight. Um, and you can't, you, I mean, yeah, they got the, the two wins, uh, on this stretch, but if you face a team, that's not like the, one of the worst teams in conference that you might not come out with the win because you're not hitting these threes and it's not like they're bad shots, right? This, this offense is about always getting the best look. And a lot of the shots are always good, if not great shots. And if, if you're not having Reese or Drez knock these things down, then there's a huge issue. I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence, but I think it is something. Now, how much of something is it? I'm not sure. I think against bad teams, it's definitely something. So, like you said, against bad teams, you want to be able to put them away with three-pointers like they did last year. Last year, they didn't even give teams like UTSA or UTEP. I mean, UTSA has obviously won a lot now. So, UTEP, Rice, and Southern Miss, they didn't even give them a chance last year because they would bury threes. However, the defense has taken such a substantial step forward that the pace of the game has slowed. Right. So last year, let's remember, they played a little faster in in conference play. Right. They were more efficient on offense. They were, but their defense took a little step down. With their defense taking a step forward this year, I'm curious as to. I'm. I wonder what the pace of the game is now that in these last four games because I feel like it's very very slow, and with that being said, the defenses are being set a lot more, and while they are good looks for the shooters. I don't know how many of them are for, I mean, for, for a shooter, there's a difference between getting an open look and getting a free open look. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it makes sense. But that's why I wasn't calling out guys like Thomas or like JJ. Like you got to have Drez and, and Reese have to be able to make anything that is open at least, yes. you know, 38%. Yes. Like, you, like you said this whole season, like you said this whole season. And the fact that, they still didn't do it, even against Southern Misses, is alarming to me. Because, again, it can be the difference between them beating a UEB and losing against UEB. Or blowing out a team or having to fend off a fend off a comeback against a bad team. And, yes, their defense has been fine. Obviously, like, it's been great. Like, we've, we've said that this is, this is what's been winning them games. But that's not going to work if you're in a shootout like you were with La Tech. Yeah. I'm just i'm just sitting here i'm thinking about why if three-point shooting matters so much were they able to beat louisiana tech and then sweep this series pretty easily like yes the, the last game was they did have a little bit of a scare but they still won it 
very comfortable. Oh yeah, I mean I don't and I don't mean like an actual because scare. of the defense. No, just, and obviously it's because of the defense. Yeah, they won the games, but offensively they're not slouching either. They shot fifty four percent. Like, like there there shouldn't be there shouldn't be the it shouldn't be this easy to beat Southern Miss. Albeit Southern Miss was not a good team, but they Southern Miss almost beat Louisiana Tech. Right, and it's still like, an away game. It's still a road series. Louisiana Tech they beat shooting six to twenty two from three. That is peculiar. And so that's where I'm like, I think if they make threes, how much of a difference would it make? I think them making threes is the difference between them being better than last year's team. Okay. Do you think if they make threes, it takes away from them getting to the free throw line, maybe their physicality to an extent or anything like that? I would argue that they haven't gotten to the free throw line enough this season. I mean, they could they could always get to the free throw line less. No, they could, but... I, but the shot. Okay, this is the thing. They're not shooting more threes than they did last year. They're just not making as many as last year. Yes. So, like, does that what does that take away from? I don't think it takes away. Here's from a question: anything. Do you think there's a correlation between their defense? Okay, their offense not playing as well and their defense playing better. No. Like last no, year, I their don't. offense played better. Their defense wasn't as good. I this think year, that their I think that this year they have they have pieces that are able to switch defensively a lot better than they could last year. So there's like, no complacency in a sense. Like, would... okay. There's no there's no complacency on offense knowing that they're going to get a stop on defense. No complacency on offense because they know they're getting a stop on defense. Wouldn't that make complacency in offense? Yes, that's what I'm asking. You don't think that there is complacency? That they're just missing? Oh, I mean, that could be it. I mean... Sure, but but my thing is is that I don't think that if they shoot better on offense that their defense goes away, because 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 if you think of it Maybe. this way, their defense got worse. Why? Because you're playing a more physical basketball with guys like DJ Draper as a guy that's playing you know twenty almost twenty yeah. minutes a night, or you're playing with uh, I've I, no center, you know, for certain periods of times. So it's when you have guys like JJ, JJ alone is the defensive identity on this team. Yeah. And and the fact that he's able to do so much and keep everyone else engaged is enough for me. Well, if you make more threes, that doesn't change. Okay. Okay. All right. Second something or nothing. Abu playing 22 minutes this series and Terrence playing 15 minutes. Definitely something. something. Abu has, has, has shown that he can... He's, he's able to make a jump in the middle of the season. And albeit he's not obviously like a star player you know starter level player right now but he is a he is the best backup center since Shane Tamara and he's probably better than Shane Tamara just because of what he's able to do with his length um Terrence unfortunately if he's not able to hit a three he's kind of a ball stopper in a way on offense when he gets the ball in his hands and defensively I don't think he adds a whole lot do you think they continue to play Abu more than Terrence yes I think that continues Foul fouls obviously, you know, dictate that. Dictate that. But I think Terrence it hasn't been Terrence playing himself out of rotation. I think it's Abu playing himself into the rotation. For instance, this year or tonight, Zach Simmons played thirty three minutes, mm-hmm. Abu played seven minutes. So that's all forty minutes you have a center in place. There were no minutes with Thomas at the five. And that's what we were wondering before the season was could you move Thomas to the five? And then slide Terrence in there if you need if you need to, or even slide Reese in there at the four or somewhere like that. Like, how do you play with lineups? If Abu is able to sustain this for 
seven to ten, let's say ten minutes a game, that gives you a center on the court for all forty minutes. And we know how much the, this coaching staff loves having a center on the court for offensive reasons and defensive reasons. Like this, this isn't a team that enjoys going small at all. No, for sure, and especially because they don't play quick, right? Exactly. So, and so when you have a guy like Abu, he doesn't do too much on offense. He doesn't turn the ball over. The only thing you have to worry about is him defensively, and he's shown that he's able, that La Tech is, uh, series especially, he's able to show that he can play big minutes if Zach's in foul trouble or if he needs to come in for stretches. Yes. All right, do you have any uh, something or nothing? Yes. That we... Go ahead. <coughs> Sorry. Sorry. Something or nothing. I'll, I don't know how to ask this with a something or nothing. Has Reese played himself into being the second best player on this team? I think you just say it as a statement, and then I tell you if it's something, something or nothing. Is Reese the second best player on this team? No, as a statement. Just say it as a statement. Reese is the second best player on this team. I just, that feels sounds so weird. Something or nothing. That. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. No, I disagree. I, I don't know I, if I agree or disagree with the we, statement. We, I'm, we I'm talk- just thinking. Okay, I think it's okay. Well, okay. Well, in theory, it is something that he has been good, but I don't think he, they need him to be the second. I think they need others to be the top two players on this team. Like Reese has a bit of a ceiling in a sense of what he can do, right? But if he gets hot, then it's good. But he hasn't been shooting very well, right? But defensively, he's amazing, right? We'll never say he's not amazing defensively. So, with that being said, I think him as the third best player on this team is where they need him to be because Javion and Zach hopefully are your best two players. Maybe Thomas slides in there sometimes. Um, but I don't think... So I'm going to say nothing. I don't think I don't think Reese is a top two player on this team at this okay. moment. Top three? That's like, where, where it gets close. That's where it gets I, close? I, that's, that's, clo- that's tough for me because I think I texted you. I said it was Zach, then Reese... Than Javion or something like that, Thomas, or Thomas. You said Thomas. Yeah, Zachary Thomas or something like that as the top three. That was before this series, um, mostly because I need to see Javion gain some consistency, and I think he kind of did that in a sense. Um, obviously, these next few weeks are going to be tough against good teams, but still, I think he at least has a bit more comfort in where in getting into his spots i think that's a big thing for him is getting to his spots and that's one thing that he has done a lot better of so with Javion there i think Javion is a top three player i would put Javion over reese just because reese hasn't been shooting that well so i'm gonna put thomas reese and zach i'm sorry thomas Javion and reese um thomas Javion and zach over reese okay at this moment okay second so, something nothing good is the conference usa championship north texas is to lose after this, after I don't this. think you know. I don't think you understand how to ask the questions of something or nothing. I don't. Oh wait, no. This is how I ask it. This is how. Well, Hold I don't normally ask, it. I don't really ask it like this, but no, I have to ask it correctly. Or nothing. Something or nothing. The conference North- USA championship is North Texas's to lose. No, 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 nothing. I don't. I don't know if I'm answering this correctly, but nothing. I don't think. I don't think this is. I don't think it's there to lose. No still doesn't feel like they're in the driver's seat to me the six games that they have left are against western marshall and uab right and with those six games being left and only playing 16 games instead of the full 18 games like we had hoped they have to go five and one in that stretch now like it's not even 
uh, a question in my opinion. Like I think we've talked about uh, Louisiana Tech going 14 and four, which I think is the most likely outcome considering that they have Rice and Middle Tennessee as their last two series. Um, and Rice being at home in that last one, especially. So 14 and four is basically the mark that I think North Texas is going to have to get at. And in order to do that, or the, the mark they're going to have to beat percentage wise. And the only way to do that is by obviously going 13 and three. Like that's the only way. And they're already at 10 and um, I'm sorry, eight and two. So that would require them going five and one. If they go five and one in that stretch, what do we think the most likely sweep is of the three of the three most likely sweep is definitely uab um the only problem is is if you split with western you have to hope they lose two games and i don't know if that's at all possible with the schedule that they got going on however with that being like if they sweep western i feel like they could lose they could lose two games you mean they could lose one of the the other ones no, if they sweep Western, you could you could probably oh if they sweep Western then right can, you could probably go fourteen and two or fourteen and four. See and see no, this is where we get our numbers mixed up. They can't go fourteen and four, Colin. 16, oh, sorry, eight. sorry, twelve, 12 and, four. and four. Twelve, 12 and, four. and four. They can go twelve and four. We're gonna get the numbers right here. Yep. So twelve and four, but I'm that's sorry. what I'm saying. If you go twelve and four, Louisiana Tech beats you probably most likely. I think. So that's what I'm saying. You have to go. You have to go thirteen and three. So if you sweep Western Kentucky then I think you have an easier path because then you only have to go three and one in the last four, right? The thing is, Western Kentucky, after North Texas, plays FIU twice and Old Dominion twice. Those are their last four games. Yeah. FIU is an easy sweep. We know that. And all four of those are at home. So FIU, easy sweep. Old Dominion is going to be kind of tough for them because that's always a tough series, but um, I would still pick them to sweep most likely. So here's the thing. If North Texas wants to win the conference championship all right we both just said they have to go 13 and 3 with one of them being splits i think the most likely split is either western or marshall right now and if they split with western they would have to sweep all four of the last ones like i said yep but it's far more likely that western sweeps their last four than north texas sweeps their last four yeah that's the problem it's an uphill battle that's it's, the it's, problem it's an uphill battle and not only that is Marshall's not like just some like team, like they yeah. like they're gonna be tough. Yes, especially on the road. Yeah. So, Western Kentucky, ideally for North Texas, you sweep Western, and then you maybe drop one to Marshall and then sweep UAB. What are the chances they sweep uh, Western? In your opinion, like, do you think they know that they have to sweep Western? Like, are they going I, I don't into the series? Are they going into the series going? We have to beat them. I don't think, I think they, it's hard for a team to go in saying we need to sweep this team just because of how hard it is to beat a team. Yeah. It's about like Western Kentucky once. It's hard enough to beat them once. So going into it expecting to beat them twice is asking a lot. Now, do I think they know that, I mean, obviously they know that sweeping Western Kentucky will improve their chances greatly of winning the conference championship. That's not, the debate i think the debate is with the percentages the way that they are and louisiana tech playing the way that they're playing i think that they know that this might be their best chance to win it at home against yeah. kentucky i'm very concerned that north texas i feel like the most likely outcome for them is four and two in that stretch 
here's here's a question for you. If they sweep Western, Western would then fall to ten and two, eight and two, eight and four. Sorry, eight and four. Yes, eight and four. So they'd be eight and four. They're already kicked out because the tiebreaker would be North Texas, right? Because they beat them twice. Yes. So then you're just you're just basically banking Louisiana. on La Tech, and, and you're hoping that Rice can get a game out of them. Yes, but if they sweep Western, then it doesn't matter what Louisiana Tech does. Then they then they're completely in this driver's seat. No, for sure. No, no, no. They are, but I'm saying you still can't lose. You can't lose twice. Tw- can't lose twice. Like you can't split. You can't split UAB and you can't split. Rice. Right. You have to sweep one of those. Like you have to go five and one in yeah. this. In this theoretical realm where Louisiana Tech sweeps middle and rice, which I think is probable. Yeah, it's like sixty percent chance. Yeah, I'd say it's about sixty, somewhere like that. Now, Middle Tennessee, you know, they uh they swept Charlotte a couple weeks ago and, you know, not playing bad and Rice can maybe take one. But you don't want to bank on that, right? You no, don't definitely not. Rely on that. And so that's the problem here is that North Texas is good enough to go five and one. But if they go five and one and split with Western, Western could also go five and one. Right. So that's already a problem. So then you're looking at you have to sweep Western. And if you do sweep Western and you split the other two, then you're still behind Louisiana Tech. So you're not out of the woods in like any situation. Any, yeah, any way. The final game until the final game is the only time you'll know. Exactly, exactly. So unless if they sweep Western and sweep Marshall, <clears throat> and then all you have to do is split UAB at home, then I guess we can kind of relax a little bit. But if... If 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 they sweep Western and they split with Marshall or vice versa, if they do one or the other, we're going to this last series against UAB being like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like we don't we don't know even because even if North Texas wins, we have to be watching Western or we have to be watching La Tech or if they lose one, then we really have to be hoping Rice loses wins one or um, Western drops one to Old Dominion. Like it just it gets so convoluted with the percentages right now that I can't even like wrap my, my wrap my head around everything. That's why I was kind of, I feel like on the podcast, I was just saying, I was like going to eight, 18 games just because that's the easiest way to, right. to look at everything. It's just smooth. It's like, all right, 18, we're here, we're here, we're here. Now it's 16 against 18. And that's where it gets difficult. And that's where you're like, well, the schedules are already conv- like messed up because you have the East playing the East and the West playing the West for the most part. And the West, in my opinion, is much better than the East at this moment. Now you go 16 compared to 18 games and it gets even crazier. So, so La Tech, Western, and North Texas have all played the same amount of games? Here, you want me, let, let me read it off for everybody. Let me make sure we're, we're all on the same page here. North Texas is 8-2 and two in conference play. And their last three series, which will get them to 16 games, is Western Kentucky at home, Marshall on the road, UAB at home. All right, that gets them to 16 games. Western Kentucky, 8-2 and two as well. Last three series at North Texas, home against FIU, home against Old Dominion. That gets them to 16 games. Okay. UAB is 9-3 in conference. Their last series, last three series, which will get them to 18 games, is against... Um, Old Dominion on at home, UTSA on the road, and North Texas at the, at on the road. Three pretty tough series for UAB. And then Louisiana Tech is at 14 games at 10 and four. The last two series are at Middle Tennessee and home against Rice. 
I feel like that gives a I feel like that covers okay. So if Middle Tennessee or I mean sorry, if if La Tech has the same amount of losses as North Texas does, but they played more games, their percentage would be higher, no? Repeat that. Okay, so if, if La Tech goes fourteen and four mm-hmm. and North Texas goes twelve and four, four. Well, just La Tech the, would have a higher percentage. Right. Yes. So wouldn't North Texas have to, even is even thirteen and three, isn't that a lower percentage than No, it's a higher percentage. I think thirteen and three I think was eighty one percent and fourteen and four was seventy seven, if if I remember the math off the top okay. of my head. Okay. That 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 that's that's a good thing to know for everybody. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You have to go thirteen and three because twelve and four doesn't win it. So that's where so the good, this is good. We're getting everything cleared here. Um any other questions? Like that, I'm trying to make sure we cover everything. So you absolutely, yeah. There's no way you could you could lose two games unless you, yeah. Dang, wow. Exactly. Unless if Louisiana Tech drops, Louisiana Tech would have, would have dropped Western, two games, and Western would have to drop to the same record as North Texas at the very least. Yeah. So that's, and that's asking a lot because, so unless Western splits with North Texas and Old Dominion, and North Texas splits Western Kentucky and let's say Marshall. Then they have the same records, and I don't know how the tiebreaker works there, but um, yeah, it's a very crazy situation here. Um, I feel bad that I haven't mentioned at all that Old Dominion is seven and three with six games left, and their six games are against are at UAB, home against Middle, and at Western. So nobody expects them to do any better than uh, eleven and five. I'd say probably considering they're seven and three right now. So if they go four and two in that stretch, I think that's probably most likely, and that'll take them out at eleven and five. But um, I thought it's worth bringing up, anyways. So um, when you think about it, North Texas, kind of gets the run of the deal here, like in terms of who they had oh, to reschedule. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. However, if they, I think if they would have started with UAB early in the season, UAB would not have had Quan Jackson, so that would have been a big deal. Um, however, going against that defense off rip would have been a pain in the ass. Yeah. Like, they were not in position to play that defense. But now they've gone through Louisiana Tech. They've gone through some better defenses. They got to play Loyola Chicago, Southern Miss. Who's 22nd in the nation, by the way. Oh, Loyola Chicago is legit. They are beating the crap out of teams right (laughs) now in that conference. Um, So, yeah, they got to play those other games. And now I think when we look at UAB now, it's like, okay, yeah, they have Quan Jackson back, but... I'm not as worried at all about North Texas. Especially if you're game. watching the La Tech series. Let's get into that. What, what, what did you take away from that series? Uh, what was your... You were on the UAB's a fraud train for a long time. And still am on proved, it. Absolutely still right. Absolutely still um, on that train. So what did you see from uh, that series? What was your main takeaway? My main takeaway, and I texted you this, UAB, the only reason that they're as good as they are in terms of their record is that they do what they do very, very well all the time. However, when they aren't able to perform at that 100%, you know, uh, you know, level of their ability. They are they have a very hard time doing other things. And that's where teams like LaTeX Western and North Texas are able to prevail because if they're not able to hit threes, for example, North Texas can go to offense or can go to um defense. If Western, you know, Western just has Charles Bassey. There you go. Uh LaTeX, you got Kobe, you got game changers like Kobe Williams. What does UAB have outside of their zone defense that is amazing, by the way? Right, like if they miss a shot and they get in transition and they can't set their zone defense, then you know they get cooked. And we saw that against La Tech. And yes, they played a very good game against La Tech, but they aren't going to outscore you. And being down four is like being down ten to them. 
UAB, I think you summarized everything pretty very, I mean, very well. The thing with UAB was their zone, while I, I agree it was very good, it really hid the fact that they don't have great defenders outside of Quan Jackson and uh, uh, I think Trey Jemison at center is a good defender as well. And they have some bigs that can defend, but they're guards. Ertl is like, he's fine, but he's not great. Um, Benjamin. Uh, Loven is <coughs> fine. He's not great. Benjamin is below average, even though he tries. And when you play good teams, it's like, okay, that's fine. You go into your zone and you can be aggressive in your zone. But when teams find the pockets in a zone, it turns into a little bit of man in a sense. Like you have to stop him to an extent. Like you, the zone is a facade for a lot of teams, right? It's like, okay, we're here. You can't come here. But when you play a good team, it's like, and they find the pockets and they hit hit you there. It's like, okay, now we have to defend them because now the facade's gone. And not you know, only the that, zone is gone. When you play it's a three, three point three point shooting team, then the zone yes. really gets broken down. Yes. So that's where. Louisiana Tech didn't shoot well in the first game. They shot much better in the second game. Um, I'm very, very interested to see how UAB continues down this stretch of uh, of games because I think who do they have next? They have an off. Didn't they UTSA? I want to say who do they have next. Yeah, no, they've always them and then UTSA. If I was them, I'd be terrified of UTSA. UTSA is filling it up against everybody. Like, so that's what I'm saying is that old this UAB team was is good i think they are good i think they're still the fourth best team to come to usa i've said that for time and time again i think the top four are worlds better than everybody else like i think it's a four and then a big drop off and then everybody else um but i think they're fourth pretty handily and that is their peak in my opinion yeah so offensively they can't shoot we've been known that and uh they are a team that doesn't even have a good post player i don't think trey jemison's a good post player they're just a weird team. Very, yeah. very weird team. But their coach made it work. So they did. They did make it work. Him. I mean, to beat the bad teams the way that they beat the bad teams is imp- incredible. Like, that's not nothing here. So we'll see how they do moving forward. Um, what else do I have on my list? Uh, we talked about the upcoming stretch of games. Mm-hmm. So, what's your final, what's your prediction here for these eight games coming up from North Texas? Let's. I mean, let's go over them one more time. Western Kentucky at home twice, Marshall on the road twice, um, UAB uh, at home. Yeah, at home twice. Then presumably Old Dominion on the road twice. If those are the eight games, what's their record in those eight games? I'll go first if you want. No, five and three. Wow. Y'all should have seen the way Colin put his head down when he said that. <laughs> Y'all should have seen the disappointment in his eyes when he had to say five this and three. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm thinking. Oof. You split against Western. Okay, you go 15 and three. You beat Marshall. Or no, sorry. You split against Marshall. And you're like, okay, mm-hmm. not good. You sweep UAB at home. You split with ODU on the road. I like that. I think that's that's what I think. What do I think is most likely to happen if they win the conference championship? 15-3. The, the, go the split against Western put some fire in their bellies. Look. And they I'm, go on a tear. Look, I'm going to go 13-5 as well. Uh, I mean, before the sad. conference season, I had 12-6. and six. Um, Obviously, I think they do better than 12-6 and six now at this point just because 
again, I've been I've been I've been completely proven wrong that good teams are sweeping their opponents. So um, with that being said, I'm perfectly fine admitting that I am wrong. Uh, and North Texas, I think, will go 13 and five. If they do go 14 and four or 15 and three, they will have to sweep Western Kentucky. And if they sweep Western Kentucky, we will come on this podcast and we will talk about this team being the best team in Conference USA. But until then, we will see. Those are our predictions. All right, Colin. Last thing we have on the docket. You don't have to. You can stop shaking your head. Um, it's gonna be okay. Um, I just tweeted out my top 12 players at every single position yep. in Conference USA. Uh, I don't want to spend too long on this. Uh, was there anything that you took offense to? Uh, Javon Hamlet at sixth, but you're not far off. Sixth I, best point guard, okay. The only t- so, thing I told you that was really wrong, in my opinion, was putting Jameer Young above both him and Jared West. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Only because Charlotte's so bad. Uh, mm-hmm. Jared West and Javon, I think, are interchangeable. So, like, I agree. It's, like, tied for fourth, I, I think, agree. is where he should be. Just based on how he's played this season. Other than that, I think it's pretty good. I think it's amazing, personally. Like, I think it's, like, like for every single... Like, you had to go through, like, that's pretty impressive when you think it about it. It was very annoying. Now, Especially, I've seen every team except FIU, middle, and I think that's it. Here's a question for your list, though. Yeah. What ahead. is the drop-off between one and two on every position? All right, let me, let me give you the tiers. Let me give you the tiers. Oh, you have the tiers. Well, I can just... I have them in my head. I don't have... Okay, them okay, okay. Because I asked you about this yesterday. Yeah, you did. You did. All right. Point guard. Top tier. Honestly, I'm putting Javon Jackson one. And I think that's the first tier at point guard. Completely agree with you. I think that's the first tier. I think Completely Javon Jackson, the way you. he's been carrying UTSA this year, the way he's f- filling it up, still leading... This, I think he's at 22 points per game right now. Yeah, he first tier by himself. Second tier is deep. Travis Evie from Rice, Kobe Williams, LaTeX, Jameer Young, Jared West, Javion Hamlet, and Malik Curry. I'm putting in the second tier. So that goes all the way down to seven, from two to seven. What's the drop off between one and two? <sighs> Travis Evie's been great this year. He's been great. Uh, but I think it's pretty substantial. Okay. It's pretty big. <coughs> Um, then third tier, Sule Boom from UTEP, uh, Tavin Lovin, who, if you want to call him a two and Ertl the one, I don't care. I'm putting him as a point guard because he leads them in assists. Uh, so Boom, Tavin Lovin, Antonio Day from FIU, Michael Forrest, who's also a good player. Like he's legit. I think he's putting up 14 and a half a game at FAU. And then Jordan Rawls from Western Kentucky. Western hasn't had a point guard for this whole season basically they've been rotating Rawls McKnight and that uh, Lipscomb transfer but I put Rawls in here so and Rawls is substantially I think on a lower tier than Michael Forrest so you have Boom, Loven, Day, Forrest as a third tier and then Rawls as a fourth tier what's the drop off from second tier to third tier Um, it's not that big Okay, pretty small Curry to Boom Boom's averaging I think Boom's averaging I don't remember exactly I think it's over 15 15 a game somewhere like that in conference again these are all in conference ranks uh shooting guards i think this is top two is the first tier tavion hollingsworth keaton wallace those are the top two right keaton Wallace a little inconsistent tavion can be inconsistent but um those are the top two then i think you go another i think you go another do i include michael Ertel in there absolutely not all right, I won't. Second tier is Amori Archibald and Quincy Olivari. Two very good scorers, very good players. Then third tier uh, goes 
four deep, Michael Erdl, Jordan Shepard, Andrew Taylor, and Jamal Bienemy. Actually, throw Jordan Davis and Drez in there, too. So that's <coughs> six players in the second tier, and then the fourth tier. Uh, or, I'm sorry. Yeah, fourth tier is J- Jaron Pierre and J- Jalen Benjamin. Um, that's the shooting guards. Small forwards. First tier is Tavian Kinsey by himself. In my opinion, he's been just a great player for the past couple of years. Uh, second tier goes only two players deep. I think it's James Reese and Quan Jackson. Those are the that's second tier. Third tier, I think, goes really deep here because then you go to Colby Pemberton, Xavier Green, Eric Lavette, Riley Abercrombie, and Jerry Matos is the third tier. So that's pretty deep. And again, these are all on my Twitter. If you want to go look at my Twitter, Matthew Bruni underscore. Uh, fourth tier, we'll go Caleb Ledoux, Kenan Black, Keenan Blackshare, Ladavius Drain, and Everett Winchester. Power forwards. Um, first tier will be, bro. I've been so impressed with Isaiah Crawford, but I'll do for, I'll I'll do first tier as the top three. That's what I'll do. Isaiah, Isaiah Crawford ex- has been has, amazing. Has surprised me, especially I mean, especially obviously in the series against North Texas when he put up twenty seven. But like he's like he can score inside and he can shoot. Bro, he's shooting forty percent from three. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like, he's destroying people. Isaiah Crawford, Thomas Bell, Bryson Williams is my first tier. Um, Thomas Bell, mostly because of his defense on the best defense in Conference USA. Uh, second tier will be four deep with Carson Williams, Tyreek Scott Grayson, Josh Anderson, and Jalen Ingram from FAU. Uh, third tier will be Kate, I do not know, Kasem Nichols, Kasem Nichols, Nicholson, uh, Jansen Williams. That's the fourth tier, or that's the third tier, I'm sorry. And then fourth tier, Bryce Williams, Austin Trice, and Joe Reese. Both of those last two from Old Dominion. Lastly, but not last but not least, the centers was really interesting to do because I feel like most years there aren't that many good centers. This year, okay, Charles Bassey, first tier by himself, obviously. After that, I might go five deep on this. Zach Simmons, UNT, Kenneth Lofton, LaTeX, Tyler Stevenson, Southern Miss, Trey Jemison, UAB, and Max Fiedler from Rice. I disagree with your tier. I think those I think those five players are all on the same tier. I think those I, are really good players. I disagree. Who who would who do you know? I feel like Zach Simmons and Kenneth Lofton are tier two and then tier three. It's close, but tier three would be Tyler Stevenson, Trey Jameson, only because I feel like Zach and Kenneth have a second dynamic to their game that those mm-hmm. others who don't have. Okay. I don't mind that. I don't mind that at all. Um so then my third tier is going to be three deep, Kalui Zikpe. <laughs> Uh, Jacob Germany, who's been really good for UTSA this he had 26 year. 26 the other day. He's been their second best player. I might put him above Zeke Pay, honestly. He's been really good. Uh, and then Diamond, I don't know if you say this right, Demon Kerrigan from FIU. Diamond of, Kerrigan sounds way cooler. Diamond Kerrigan took over that Osasuna when Osaga role, and he's blocking like three shots a game. Then the fourth tier is uh, Carlos Sillins from FAU, Milo Supica from Marsh. Um, yeah, Charlotte, I'm sorry. And Andrew Gordon, the backup center from Louisiana Tech. The only, I think there's only three, two players off the bench. No, there's a few players off the bench, actually, on this team. So any other uh, discrepancies, Colin? Is there an argument, and I'm just asking, I don't I don't know ahead. what it would be. Is there an argument for a North Texas bench player to be in any of J.J. Murray has an argument. That's, that's what I thought I about J.J. Well. Murray versus Jalen Benjamin for a long time. I, I would agree that, that that would probably be my only However, one. I think... Jalen Benjamin's been he hasn't been like good but he's been kind of necessary in a sense for them because you know they don't have the scoring in a a sense and he kind of just comes on and shoots 
and they kind of need that same with Ertl. yeah <laughs> um yeah. i feel like there could be an argument for ruben at like 12 or 11 spot for point guard he just doesn't have to do it so i feel like it's i don't no i'm not putting him over rawls or forest you put if you put ruben on western they're not better replace him with rawls that's tough i don't know maybe but i I can't i can't put him there now if we if we went 15 deep then ruben jj would be definitely gone there shit um abu might be on there I was gonna say Abu's probably pretty close. He's probably like a 14 spot. Yeah, 14, 15, somewhere like that. But um, yeah, I didn't want to go too deep. But yeah, again, you can check that out on my Twitter at Matthew Bruni underscore. Let me know what you think. If you think I'm extremely wrong about somebody, I think I was pretty generous generous to North Texas, um, even though I think I'm right. Thomas Bell over Bryson Williams. People can argue Zachary Simmons over Kenneth Lofton. People can argue James Reese. I think is definitely better than Quan Jackson. Uh, Drez, I think is definitely top 10. You could even move him up to eighth. I wouldn't mind him over being to me. Um, Javion has been a little too inconsistent. Jared West has been amazing for Marshall, like amazing. And Jameer Young's putting up like 17 a game over there. So if Javion continues, he'll only go up, obviously, but we'll see. I don't want I don't want this to be an indictment on Javion, but because we've talked about how good he's it, been. It kind of almost is because you put everyone else so high. <laughs> it is, right? Yeah. <laughs> but... Yeah, so anyways, I thought that was fun to do. I spent a couple hours on that because I told Colin I would. And then I color-coded it. Yeah, I forced Which him. added an extra I, I told him he couldn't go to minutes. bed until he finished it because he brought it up. It added an extra 45 minutes color-coding it. So, It anyways. looks nice, though. Very good art project. Mm, thank you. Thank you, Colin. All right. I think that's all we had. Do uh, you have anything else? On to Western. On to Western. There you go. That's the name of the podcast right there. Um... All right, wake my up, wake my up back there. No, she's got to sleep. Took her for I took her for a walk. Good, she's able to good. walk. I'm she's glad. able to walk around the block once a day. You're not gonna be do, able to do it anymore because it's gonna be snowing, Colin. You don't think I'm gonna take her in the snow? I I've never been in snow. I don't know if that's a good thing to do or not. I don't know how that works. <laughs> I did not. Snow isn't poison. Oh. <laughs> it's not gonna it's not gonna melt your feet. Off. I can't wait to be in the snow, Colin. I can't wait. You're gonna, to this is going to happen. You're going to go outside because you're not a kid, obviously. So you're going to go outside. You're going to be like, oh, this is pretty cool. And you're going to right back inside. <laughs> I take a snap, Snapchat. Yeah. You know, be like, hey, snow. All right. Like this, a is what, foot this, of snow. Is, this is my this is my snow homework for you. You have to do a snow angel. Do I need someone to film it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. And if, if, there's, enough snow, if there's enough snow, snowman. Yep. I got gloves. Do you so even know how it. to make a snowman? Oh no! Oh no! We can, we can hit YouTube. I can hit YouTube. <laughs> YouTube. You just you just get a snowball, right? Mm-hmm. And you just roll it along the ground until it gets bigger. See, that's one thing I saw on YouTube was that you don't just make the snowman like you don't gather the snow. At you the had bottom, to watch you know? a video on YouTube. No, I don't. Okay, maybe it wasn't. I think it was Twitter actually. Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. Okay. Uh, which is much more casual viewing, you know. They said you have to roll it. Yeah. You don't just put it together. That blew my mind. When I when I lived in Michigan, uh, there was so much snow at recess that uh, this, our snowmen that we would make our snow forts would last until April. <laughs> Crazy, oh I will like with no snow on the ground, but because there was oh so much God. snow in that like compact area, it would stay yeah. there. I learned how to make a snowman from uh, Bill Cosby's kids show, Little Bill. Wow. Yeah. Wow. There One of my go. favorite TV shows growing up. There you go. Shout out to uh, Little Bill. All right, Colin. 
Um, that's all we have for them today. Again, check out all of our content on Twitter at Mingreen247, uh, at CJH Mitchell, at Matthew Bruni underscore. Leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple. Um, again, it really helps us. I don't know if we're at 45 yet. I honestly haven't checked, but if we aren't, help us out, please. Thank you. Uh, send it to your friends. Uh, follow us on SoundCloud as well. Um, and subscribe to Mean Green 24-7. I think we're running a 30% off for the annual deal and one month for the, $1 for the first month. So check out those offers. Um, and yeah, I think I'm going to have something on uh, basketball and recruiting in the coming week. So keep an eye out for that and subscribe to Mean Green 24-7. So everybody stay safe out there, stay warm, and we'll talk to you all later.